Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 81 with our guest, Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Can you relate to this? In my business, I have found myself hitting the same wall over and over again, even though I have a good head on my shoulders with a fair amount of smarts and intelligence sprinkled in. Why can't I figure out how to achieve that next level I can blatantly see? It certainly isn't because of lack of willpower, effort, or desire. Our guest today knows how to help you overcome those blocks and get your message out far and wide. You must have the roadmap to the success you seek and the catalyst to break through all that is blocking you. That's mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's Emerald Green Forest, and she's on the show today, and she loves working with corner office change agents, creative entrepreneurs, and new paradigm thought leaders, supporting them to create and communicate their epic and transformational visions for the world. Can you relate? She is also the host of Men on Purpose podcast, an iTunes, get this, top 200 ranked show, and the upcoming book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny how to expand your reach and make money with what you teach. Who doesn't want all of that? Let's learn how to get your ideal and powerful message out into the world through her signature, Be Heard by Millions solution. What more can I say? Welcome, Emerald Green Forest. How are you, Thank Emerald? you. I am so delighted to be here, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise, so great to have you. Um, so much, so much to talk about here. Let me start here. You talk about, you use the phrase that you help change agents, creative entrepreneurs, and new paradigm thought leaders. I love those, obviously, deliberate choice of words. What is a change agent? It's a great question. I love that question, Josh. A change agent is somebody who is called to create a significant transformation in their area of expertise or um, industry. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, one change agent that I worked with several years ago from Dubai 
was a woman who owned her own executive recruiting company. She was suddenly called to bring spirituality into CEO suites around the world. And so we ended up working together. She hired me and we worked together for about nine months. And as a result of that work that we did together, what she ended up doing was um, transiting from running her executive recruiting firm to building a signature program to train recruiters to recruit, to bring more highly conscious people into the CEO suites around the world. So that is an example of a change agent, is somebody who has a vast vision to create a significant change in their area of interest or in their industry. So does that mean that there are people who are not change agents or are we all at some level? Well, I think just like acorns fall off of the oak tree and not every acorn becomes a new oak tree, uh, I think we all have the potential within us, but not everybody's seed is germinated, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me hear about this signature program of yours, Be Heard by Millions Solution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. I, I'm in. Sign me up. What is that? How do, where do we begin with that? How do, you, how, do, how do I get heard by millions? Well, so the first thing that we need to do if we're going to be heard by millions is we first have to recognize that we have wisdom, right? And whatever that wisdom that we carry can actually be transformed into wealth, So that's the first step is we really need to believe in ourselves and we really need to um, believe that what we have to offer is of value and we need to believe that we can create change and make an impact and uh, help people to either solve a problem that they have or to fulfill a desire that they have. So the first step is really believing in yourself. Um, The second step is just getting energized for the, the task, right? We need to have energy. We need to be willing to take and stop doing the things that aren't serving us anymore so that we can focus our energy and power and direct it towards building what it is that we want to build. And there are five additional steps to be heard by millions, but those are the first two. B-E, uh, believe in yourself and energize. I love that that step one. It seems so, I don't even know the word that, you know what the first step is? You just have to believe in yourself. It's extraordinary that that is the obstacle, that that's a roadblock for so many. I mean, hey, 40 years not believing in myself. So I get it. It's just amazing that that has to be step one. Yeah, it does. It really does have to be step one because when you're becoming Uh, what I call an empowered messenger, right? Somebody who is being heard by millions and living their destiny and and has their reach around the world, even to people that they are here to teach. Uh, We face years of educational conditioning, parental conditioning, societal conditioning that says we should be a good factory worker, essentially, right? So number one, we're facing that uphill battle of uh, you know, dismantling the factory worker mentality so that we can step into entrepreneurship. Because if you're gonna be heard by millions, that's, it's really an entrepreneurial journey, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and then the second thing that we have to do is we have to have the muscle, right? The strength and the courage 
to be able to continue to feed our energy into our dream, even in the face of plenty of, of pushback from oftentimes from the people who claim to love us the most. Mm. From your from your experience working with clients in this regard, getting over that first hump, you know, you have to believe in yourself. What do you see most common it comes from? Does it just come from a lifetime of insecurity and doubt where they just don't think they can or they've been told or they're scared or something or a combination of it all? Yeah, so um, it's really from conditioning and primarily I would say it's the conditioning of the education system because truly our education system was developed a couple hundred years ago, not, not even a couple hundred years ago, specifically and intentionally to serve the industrial revolution. And it continues to be a system that is turning out the product, right? The product of our educational system is somebody who has the mindset of a factory worker rather than the mindset of a creative, somebody who can create something and create value in the world. And I believe we actually now live in the creative age. We have long surpassed the industrial age. Just go look out in middle America at all the abandoned factories. <laughs> Uh, you know, most factory work is has been offshored to other uh, other countries, and and is going to be even further offshored to robotics and artificial intelligence. So, where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us with a with a twelve years of imprinting that needs to be unraveled first before we can even begin to energize ourselves in the direction of our dreams and. We are not taught in the education system to be um, going for our dreams. We're taught to be conforming. We're taught uh, using a system of pass-fail that, um, you know, that there's something wrong with us, right? Rather than uh, a system that encourages creative thinking and outside-the-box um, imagining and dreaming and innovating. Mm. I I love how um, I saw you wrote about the um, acronym FUD, of mm. course, fear, uncertainty, doubt. I get it. I've lived it. Have you experienced those three things in your journey in your world? Is that how they came to be? Oh, God, yes. I mean, I think we all experience fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And the work is to recognize, the real work is to recognize when we're in that space of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that our, our intent needs to be for clarity. So whenever you're in fear, um, the work really is to clear the fear out so that you can step into a place of, of love and gratitude. Whenever you're in uncertainty, the work is to clear out the confusion so that you are able to be certain. Anybody who's confused can't be certain. And when you're certain, then people will naturally um, be attracted to you as a leader and an authority figure, regardless of how many numbers or letters you have after your name, regardless of whether you have a book or regardless of you know, all the numerical metrics and accomplishments, certainty beats all of those things. So, uh, and then when we're in doubt, 
the, the thing that we need to do there is clear the doubt so that we can be faithful to our own vision. Like it's, it's our vision, right? Who's going to be faithful to it if not us, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing because I've experienced all this, um, getting to the point where I am now, having overcome this, this lifetime of hiding and seeking approval and insecurity. And I always thought that if I, if I pushed through my fear, uncertainty, and doubt, um, I would have the people that I was trying to gain the approval from not only disapprove, but retaliate. I always envision this like big epic retaliation from them. And you know what's happened when I have um, stepped into this role? they've gone by the wayside. They, there is no retaliation because there's no visual or emotional, mental or spiritual room for them. And the way I see it now is that, like you said, when you step into this, you're, you're attracting the people who get it and who want to be around that. So now I have this force field of incredibly powerful, loving, amazing people like you, Emerald, who say, um, you know what? There's no room for you guys parks closed here, go about your business. And they don't even step through. I don't even see them. They're nowhere in sight because I've surrounded myself inadvertently, deliberately with amazing people. Yeah, that is a huge key to surround yourself with people who are where you would like to be, whether you're looking up to them, looking beside them, or even looking down. Because sometimes people are where you want to be in certain areas of your life who may not be where you want to be in other areas of your life. So as a great example of, um, I'm going to put this in quotes, looking down, I just recently started working with a trainer. Uh, the kid's 22 years old, right? But, and, and so in a lot of areas in my life, we are not on par with one another. Um, you know, financially, he's definitely not in the same zone as the people that I want to be surrounding myself with. However, at the physical fitness level, he has absolutely been a life changer for me. So yeah, we need to look everywhere, up, down, and all around for the people who are going to serve and support us to become our best in all areas of our life. Yeah, absolutely love that. Um, I want to, in due time, get the talk about your name, which is Emerald Green Forest. If I'm not mistaken, middle name Peaceful. So it's Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. I'm guessing not the name on your birth certificate. However, what I do know is it is your legal name today, right? That's correct. So cool. So, um, I'm sure there's a story there. When, when it comes up chronologically, let's hit upon that. But for now, take us back to the very beginning, if you would. What was a young Emerald like? What was life like growing up for you? Uh, so life was an interesting combination of being um, kind of planted in the toxic soil of abuse. My mm. father was a raging alcoholic, uh, very abusive physically as well as verbally. Uh, my mom was also physically abusive and confused and definitely had her own uh, likely mental health issues. Uh, today, we probably would have called her borderline personality disordered or maybe narcissistic. And, uh, and I also grew up in a small town uh, in New Hampshire, 
uh, spent a lot of time in nature. My parents had a camp uh, that was my grandfather. My father's father built this camp um, when my, my uncle got hit by a, a truck on his bicycle when he was a kid. My grandfather said, uh, we're not spending another summer here in Brookline, Massachusetts. And he bought a piece of land and built this cabin in the woods up in the lakes region. So I had a childhood that was a mixture of, um, you know, kind of this bucolic uh, country lifestyle, right? With time in nature and time in the woods. And I lived in a town with lots of cows and uh, also lots of abuse, lots and lots of abuse, like lots of memories of hiding under the bed so that my father couldn't reach me and pull me out and beat me with his belt. So, wow. yeah. How did you cope? So a couple things. First of all, I was a reader and reading allowed me to go away. I literally left my body and I was out mm. in adventures in other countries and other times and other spaces. So reading was a massive, massive um, escape valve for me. And then the other thing was uh, education. Interestingly enough, I just had this big rant about the education system, but Truthfully, uh, for me, being the A student and, um, and being in the educational system and in a, in a place where I felt I could like get positive attention, right, rather than um, negative attention, and where the attention, it was clearly tied to something like, okay, if you do your math problem correctly and you get an A, then you get the, the attention of the A, whereas the household that I lived in was so dysfunctional that, that you couldn't really tell. Like if you did things that seemed to you to be in order, but then all of a sudden, because dad was drunk, he just went crazy for no apparent, you know, like it wasn't, there was no logic hmm. to, um, to that life. There was no logic to saying, okay, well, if I just do this, things will be this, that, that just didn't exist. So the school system actually did give me that structure and that, that safety feeling like, oh, if I do this, then I will get this, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of almost like a factory, right? Wow. Where, okay, we put in this input, we put in this input, we put in this input and we get this output. So yeah. How, how did your mom react to your good grades? Uh, so she loved my good grades because for her, I was, um, I was an extension of her. I wasn't really my own person. I was an extension of her. So she lived very vicariously through my accomplishments. So anytime I accomplished something, it was all about, oh, look what my daughter did, oh, wow. right? Look what my daughter did. Look what my daughter did. Even though she might not have said those words verbally, that that was the energetics. That was the dynamic of the, of the relationship throughout, you know, and, and she also, there was a, a, a lot of emotional entanglement that we had with one another. I was definitely her, um, her leaning post. So, I mean, there's stories from my childhood where she was crying on my crib when I was a baby because like I was the place to download and dump the emotional trash. Mm. As as a child in that environment, do you recall that you were just like, you know, I'm going to, I, I'm going to escape all this in due time when I'm going to move out and then I'm going to have a, like, were, were those thoughts present? Oh, absolutely. 100%. In fact, I graduated a year early from high school. I graduated at the end of my junior year because I, by the time I was 
you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, I was like, this is crazy town and I've got to get out as quickly as possible. So yes, I graduated a year early and um, left as soon as I, it was humanly possible for me to get out. Where did you go? I ended up going to Penn State University. My sister, my older sister, so I, I come from a mixed family. My parents both had been married before and I have sisters and brothers that are 13 and, and 15 years older than me. So okay. I went to live with my sister who was 13 years older than me. She was, um, uh, she was living in uh, State College, Pennsylvania and her husband was a uh, professor at Penn State University. And so I got into Penn State and I was living with them for a year. That's amazing. Did you, at that point, did you at least find some emotional relief? So what happened when I, when I got to college, interestingly enough, my dad actually lost his job for alcoholism um, two weeks before I graduated from high school. So I ended up only having one year at Penn State because financially it was no longer feasible because my father lost his job and he never recovered. Um, hmm. what happened for me when I got out was I like just went crazy. <laughs> like I ended up becoming very self-abusive at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because that was the, you know, that was the, the language of my life was abuse. So when I wasn't in the abusive environment, then I turned to self-abuse because that was my normal. So I did a lot of self-abusing, uh, when I got to college, lots Is and lots. Isn't it amazing that on paper, logically, and I know logics rarely, if ever, play an emotion in our choices, thoughts, patterns, habits. Isn't it amazing that from that situation as a child and young adult living there and then having a physical difference in environment, it logically would seem like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to love everything about me and I'm going to love every, because I don't want that. But yet it, it doesn't work that way for us. No, it took me until almost now. <laughs> like really seriously, it took me until 2016, which is when uh, Emerald arrived. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a perfect time. I guess now is the time for that. <laughs> we made it. So we, we made got it to that story. Uh, I, so there's a little bit of backstory because, sure. um, I, because I was so conditioned and I was so, um, hmm. you know, just there was, I just didn't see any other possibilities for myself. Uh, regardless of how intelligent I was or how many A's I was able to get yeah. emotionally, I was completely, um, you know, stunted, completely stunted emotionally, which led to multiple abusive relationships with men who were either addicted or abusive, or I felt alienated from them in any number of ways. Uh, ended up with two different men that I married and ended up divorced from both of them. I have two husbands. And then ultimately this whole dynamic, this consistent repeating dynamic of being in an abusive situation transferred to my relationship with my own son. So uh, I had, and, and I had a spiritual awakening in 2001, which got me on the path mm. of, uh, of healing at least. So up until 2001, I was just completely in the dark. I was in the real estate business. My business partners were both horrible 
abusive buddy uh, bullies, uh, not buddies. They were bullies. Yeah. Uh, horribly abusive bullies. Uh, I I just. I didn't know that there was any other way, right? I didn't know that there was any other possibility. And so uh, it really took divine intervention to wake me up. And it was through divine intervention and having some experiences that initiated through uh, starting a yoga practice in 2001 that allowed me to get onto a healing path. And it took from 2001 until 2016 before I finally was literally able to uproot myself from the toxic soil of abuse. So self-abuse as well yeah. as external abuse. So you started a yoga practice in 2001. So you you had the entrepreneurial spirit uh for years. Yeah, oh definitely. And I will credit my mom for that. She was also very entrepreneurial. She had a yarn shop in our house when I was a little kid. Oh. So, yeah. So what happened uh, leading up to 2016? So leading up to 2016, this toxic soil of abuse had, and now grown my son who ended up um, having all kinds of issues with drugs. And uh, he ended up having heroin problems and cocaine problems and, you know, just all it was a nightmare, a seven year nightmare. And during this time, I was also building my business. So I had left the real estate industry. I was building my business. Uh, I was, you know, I was actually escaping into my business. I had transferred my own self-abuse into workaholism, right? It went from, you know, drinking, I stopped drinking, drugging, I stopped drugging, and then it ended up being workaholism. So, uh, and, and what happens when you are, in an abusive dynamic is it just keeps moving. It's like this moving target until you literally uproot yourself. So anyway, my son was um, going through quite a lot of trauma uh, and had been to rehab and then came out of rehab and didn't come out with a plan. And then he was doing some, um, some other rehab and he just kept going up and down and up and down and up and down. It was horrible. And then finally, on uh, April 30th of 2016, he ended up locking me in the basement and threatening to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. So um, after that happened, I was able to actually get out. Thankfully, I was able to get out of the basement. And uh, I ran into the forest and Officer Friend came and got me out of the forest. It was like mythic. <sighs> Wait, Seriously, I'm sorry. his Who? name was Officer Friend, no lie. F-R-I-E-N-D, Officer Friend. Oh my goodness, God. It, it was seriously mythic. Like, it, like you could not write a movie where Officer Friend came to the forest to get me out. It was crazy. Uh, anyway, in, in actually in 2004, I had a name change. And so in 2004, my name was changed to Amethyst Wildfire from my original um, family name. And so I lived as Amethyst Wildfire for 13 years. And then uh, in 2016, when this happened with my son, uh, two, literally two days after, I was sitting in meditation in the morning. And he's in jail at this point, And I'm like trying to you know, get my act together on what the hell just happened. Um, and and the, the message came through, you're Emerald now. And I was like, really? That's interesting. And so the other thing I have to say, Josh, is the day that this event happened, I had done ceremony that day. 
And I had gone to every single piece of property I had ever lived at. And at those pieces of property, I recognized the abuse that I had uh, endured there. And I found the gratitude for it. I, I found the gratitude. And I literally went to 10 pieces of property, pulling up my roots from the toxic soil of abuse. Is that... Is, is is that the, not the secret, but is that the required work for anybody listening who is still holding on to the, the abuse from earlier on? Uh, the required work is to pull your, pull your roots from the toxic soil of abuse. How that happens, you know, is going to potentially be different for, for people. Um, that's how it happened for me. I set the intention I became very clear I was ready to uproot myself from the toxic soil of abuse. Huh. And then I was shown, uh, you know, I was given an intuitive guidance to make this ceremony on the, literally on the land of every single piece of property where I had ever been in abusive relationships and, and to make peace, literally to make peace uh, within myself around all of those relationships and, uh, and the land where that happened. They always say that, uh, you know, be nice, be kind to everybody. Don't pass judgment because you, you know, we're all fighting a battle we don't know and you don't see. And my goodness, who, who could have known that this is what is behind you? How did you get here now, serving the people you do, speaking, writing books, consulting, working with change agents? How did that, how did you go from that to this? Well, so a lot of that was created in, uh, during the time between 2004 and 2016. I felt called to be a messenger and I created a lot of um, material and I served a lot of people. I, you know, some of my clients, I have one client who's made over $40 million serving people with her gift to help them get their message out. You know, we all have gifts to, to help people. And so I had a lot of the knowledge. I had a lot of the uh, structures in place. I had a lot of the awareness of who I wanted to work with and who I was called to work with. And when my name changed to Emerald, the business that I had created, uh, my old business was called the Empowered Messenger. It was built all around Amethyst Wildfire. And so that business actually collapsed. But even though that business collapsed, I still had the knowledge and the skill and the expertise and the clarity. Again, I'm going to come back to clarity. I had the clarity about who it was that I'm here to serve. And so I, it was pretty easy for me to make a shift and to listen to, okay, who am I really called to serve right now? And uh, at that point, when that happened, when my old business collapsed, what emerged was I'm really here to serve creative age leaders, uh, including men on purpose and uh, wickedly smart women, which I am in the process now of thinking about putting together a second podcast called oh, Wickedly Smart Women. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole market you're not serving through the exactly. men on purpose podcast. Yeah. Um, I love this story of the, the um, longtime client of yours, $40 million. Um, can you tell us um, how, what kinds of things were put in place, maybe using the theme of clarity? Because I like that. Sure. So um, in the work with her specifically, 
when I first went to work with her, she had actually just made a quantum leap uh, into her role as a change agent. So she had just made the leap of um, going from being a speaker who went around and spoke, uh, you know, locally to having her first live event. And she went from literally $150,000 a year to she made $2.4 million in two days. Um, okay. When we then worked together immediately following that, the work that I did with her was really to help her land that leap. So to really step fully and clearly into her new role as a leader and to help her clear away and shed and release any old relationships, old ways of being, old thought forms that were not going to allow her to, to ground in and root in and land that leap. And since then, she's been an Inc. 500 top company uh, twice, and she's now generated almost $40 million. And, and because we landed her, we, we got her grounded and landed and clearly in her leadership role. So you help readjust the stories or beliefs that we keep as truth that don't serve? I do help with that. I help with breakthrough. Essentially, it's, you know, whether it's a breakthrough financially or whether it's a breakthrough in, in um, you know, using your voice, getting your voice out there, your message out there, or whether it's breakthrough in your vision, seeing a bigger vision for yourself. Mm. Uh, those are the, the three areas where I mostly focus vision, voice, and value. And so um, when people work with me, what they end up with is clarity. They end up with a clear vision. They end up with a clear message. They end up with a clear awareness of their own value and the value of what it is that they have to offer so that they now become massively magnetic to the people that they are here to serve. Ooh, chilling, because you know I love that. Who doesn't want that? It's just inspiring. You've said that your message, your core message is clarity, is divinity. Mm -hmm. Tie those two together. So when we are clear, we are actually in a place where we are able to fully embody our own divinity and to flow through us divine inspiration, divine vision, uh, the divine plan for a more holistic, more uh, harmonious, more heavenly world. And so the, the work is to be clear and to stay clear. Anyone, on what? Everything. Go ahead. Staying clear and being clear on everything. So um, for me, being a messenger was my calling. And my prayer was just let me be clear. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. And it's more about uh, the clarity of intention and the clarity of um, emotion and the clarity of mental thought forms uh, than it is about the exact specific and precise words that we're using because people are not going to remember every word that we've said here. People, they're, they're, I mean, we'll be lucky if they remember clarity is divinity, right? Yeah. But what they will remember is the clarity with which we connected they will remember the clarity with which we communicated with one another. They will remember the clarity with which we delivered what it was that we had to say. Is clarity um, 
the similar or the same as self-awareness? No, not at all. No. You no, know, not at all. They're, it's not the same. To be they're two, they're two totally different things. Uh, you can be self-aware and be unclear. You know, one way of being self-aware is being self-aware that you're unclear. <laughs> like, true, true. Oh my wow. goodness, I'm unclear, right? Yeah. Wow, okay. So self-awareness and, and clarity are two very different things. They partner well with one another, though. They definitely partner well with one another, and they are definitely... Um, in service to each other. Self-awareness is in service to clarity and clarity is in service to self-awareness without question. Hmm. Great question. I love that one, Josh. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm clear. Yes, you um, are. <laughs> what do you do with people that say, you know what? I'm clear. I know what I want. I know what I'm going for, but you know, there's still all this gunk in the way. There's anger, resentment, all that stuff. But they're like, no, I'm very clear. How do you, what's, what's happening there? So the question that I always ask is, you know, are you where you want to be? Exactly. Right. I mean, okay, great. If you're clear, great. Have fun. You know, I mean, I don't need to convince anyone, Josh. In fact, those are the people I have the least desire to serve. I don't want to fight somebody to help them get to their clarity. That is not in service. It's not my, not my bag. (laughs) No, thank you. So you can be, uh, spouting that you are clear all day long and um go go for it have fun uh, you know let me watch and applaud later down the road however it works out for you i wish you all the best uh you know one of my yoga teachers used to say uh uh when it was time to let somebody go i wish you well but far away from me amazing um, if we want to take a, um, a, an assessment, and I know that you have a gift we're going to um, announce for our listeners um, on uh, gaining clarity and all that, but if we just want to, in the moment, assess where we are on that clarity scale, what are we looking for? Are we just looking for a feeling of ease or purpose? Is it that sort of a thing? How can we best quickly assess if we're clear? Yeah, ease and purpose are both very good uh, indicators of being clear. Um, if you feel good and, and feel yeah, if you fine. feel good, and also magnetism. Like, are you attracting the experiences, the people? You know, are That's you great. attracting the money that you want? You know, magnetism. The the more you, so what happens? A lot of times, what happens is people say that they want something, right? And then they get into action towards that something, but then it, the, the action can sometimes stir up the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so now they're stirring, stirring, stirring in the FUD, and they're getting more and more and more confused and diffuse. Their energy is diffusing in a lot of different directions. But when you're, you're clear, you are consolidating and you're grounding and you are um, becoming more and more magnetic. I love that analogy. You want. Love yeah. that analogy. It makes so much sense. Like, hey, just take an honest assessment. Are you attracting the people, circumstances, events, finances that, that you mm-hmm. desire? Um, correct me if I'm wrong with this FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Isn't it true that the more fear, uncertainty, and doubt that I feel the more I know I'm in the direction and need to keep going into that direction, right? Isn't it just like a light that says, hey, this is scaring you a bit, but it might be the very thing you need. 
Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, it can be true. That can be true. That the more fear, uncertainty, and doubt that you're experiencing, that means there's potency there, that there's energy there. And if you move through that, that you will then free up that energy to go in the direction that you want to go. Um, and sometimes there become, you know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt amplifies because you keep stirring the pot and you just keep like striving to make it go away or fix it. And it just, it's like literally stirring, stirring, stirring up more and more and more mud from the bottom uh, where the, the work there would be to stop, just stop and let things settle until there is some clarity. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that we can say uh, 100% clearly, I don't think that we can clearly say that the more fear, uncertainty, and doubt that you're experiencing, the more that means you're headed in the right direction. Because sometimes caution is part of this, this process as well. Sometimes we need to recognize when there is a caution sign up saying, hey, this is really not the right direction for you. Hmm. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person? Uh, I think the thing that I would want her to know more than anything is that she's worthy and uh, it doesn't matter whether she gets A's. She's, she's got, she's gifted and, um, and worthy and valuable just being her, her fun self, being her fun self. I tell her to be her fun self more. I, I love that, that um, she's already worthy, gifted and valuable. And isn't that the, isn't that the goal for ourselves and for those around us and our loved ones. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son I talk about all the time because um, I'm seeing them growing up as the version that I didn't allow myself to grow up as. I'm like impressed and proud and I'm like, you guys are, look at what you're doing. You know, they have all of the qualities that I'm like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna step out of your way. I'm not gonna get in the way of what you're doing. Um, and it's just amazing. And, and I'm always aware of that. Like if I can just day by day, until we all ride off into the sunset, get them to feel continued confidence, love, acceptance, valued, capable, worthy, job well done. Yes, and I would caution you that each being has their own soul journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because I definitely felt that I was doing those things with my own child, and then things went sideways. So, um, Every being has their own soul journey. And yes, we want, we really truly do want everyone to feel valued and to feel worthy and to feel acknowledged and to be recognized for their unique gifts. And we can't make them. Oh, yes. Feel True. That way. No, yeah. I'm not going to, you are going to know if it kills me, you're going <laughs> to yeah. feel this way, right? Like, like we're yeah. going to have a great time if it kills us. Like, yeah, but we can definitely celebrate. We definitely oh, want yeah. to celebrate when we see people embodying the qualities that oh, are, yeah. are of high value. Yes, we definitely want to celebrate and, and direct energy towards that. Mm. 
Absolutely. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I absolutely do. I'm episode number 81, which is the opposite of my birthday, number 18. So yes, I think everything happens for a reason. And I have had so many experiences in my life of synchronicity and out of the blue magic. And my one of my other prayers, so besides clarity is divinity, one of my other big prayers is never let me lose my sense of awe and wonder. Mm, that's just that's just beautiful. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Spiritual. I would definitely call myself spiritual. I've studied most of the major world religions. At one point, I did a series of paintings of all of the peace prayers of all of the different major religions around the world. And so I've studied a lot of different religious um, organizational structures and uh, doctrines. And Ultimately, if you look at all of them, there's a core message that uh, is underneath all of the fluff and stuff. <laughs> and the core message is really, you know, like, love each other. That's it. It's pretty simple. Just love each other. So I'm loving on you today, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. I feel it. Thank you. What do you, what do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? Yeah, I don't think that there's an over. I think like Einstein's, you know, theory of relativity, we just transform, we convert into a different um, frequency. Like it's all frequency. So our, our cells and our molecules and our atoms all just convert to a, a different level of frequency. And we adventure some more in the universe or the multiverse. <laughs> Imagine that. Sometimes we come back. Sometimes yeah. we come back and because uh, it's a beautiful playground. Earth is a beautiful playground for sure. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, lots to, uh, lots to uh, mull over in this conversation. I will leave you with this final question. Emerald, peaceful, green forest. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, wow. That is a great question. I would like to be remembered as kind. I would like to be remembered as a kind person. Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. Thank yeah. you. Anna, Anna, beautiful answer. Yeah. Ooh, like I said, I feel like crying now. <laughs> oh, all right. Why not? Yeah, the motion. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for showing up, for opening up, for being here as you are. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. And let's give your listeners our gift so Go they ahead. can find, uh, they can get the instant clarity exercise because clarity is divinity. They can get the instant clarity exercise at emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T. And just go there, sign up for that, and that will um, download to you quickly. It's an eight-minute audio, really, really easy, beasy, lemon squeezy, doesn't take a ton of time uh, for instant clarity when you are stuck in a, a moment of confusion. So uh, please help yourself to that. And if there's any change agents or conscious entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, or thought leaders who are interested in finding out more about me, you can find out at that website as well. Absolutely. Thank you. And who wouldn't, honestly and genuinely? Uh, we're going to link to all that in the show notes. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for joining us, whether it's the live broadcast here on social 
or the replay in your podcast app. Regardless, if you enjoyed this, if you got something out of it, if you like what we're doing, head over to wherever you love listening to podcasts, either on Apple, Google, or Spotify, and rate and review us. I love reading them, and it helps us gain more traction. We're going to do this again before too long. I want to thank you for spending your time. It means everything. Until we do it again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.